This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. What's going on, dirty, dirty? It's D.A. on CBS Sports Radio. D.A., how you feeling, bro? Man, I'm feeling great. I'm doing great. Happy Tuesday, boys and girls. One question, one question only. How do you feel? Well, I feel good, and I'm doing well. That's all that really matters. It is a Trash Tuesday, so we'll take more of your trashes coming up here this hour. Also in 20 minutes, Pat Garrity, NBA front office analyst for Stadium. We'll talk some NBA playoffs with him. To just follow up with my story from last hour, Bo Jackson trending yesterday on Twitter. He was one of my favorite players growing up. Still love him. Still wonder what could have been without the hip injury. And I remember watching that Bengals and Raiders playoff game in 1991 and thinking it's not going to be that bad. Originally, the report was that he was going to play the next week. The Raiders had won. He was going to play in the AFC Championship game. Seems like a long time ago, huh, that the Raiders played in the AFC Championship game. Of course, that was the last football game he would ever play. So really a traumatic end to what would have been a historic career. And in only a couple of seasons, he made a historic career out of limited opportunities. He was an NBA, he was a Major League Baseball All-Star and ran for nearly 1,000 yards in half a season. So you're talking about a guy who's a pro bowler or All-Star in both. Sports, just incredible. So when he was trending on Twitter yesterday for being the athlete whose career is cut short by injury, most famously, I tweeted out a picture of a couple of pictures of him. I tweeted out a couple of pictures of him because I think the other thing about Bo Jackson was he looked so cool. That Raiders jersey, the Raiders home uniforms are so beautiful. I appreciate them more and more every year I get older because they're so simple, but silver and black is so gorgeous. And the only, the only, you know, grade down on them now is that they play indoors with them when they play in sunlight. Hit that natural sunlight hitting those jerseys is just, it's spectacular. And so Bo wearing the black jerseys and the silver numerals, He had black glasses on as well, goggles on at times. He had the neck roll, which is very 80s, kind of flapping in the wind. He had, at a time, before you tucked your sleeves up, now everybody tucks their sleeves up, but before that now, I mean, that really didn't happen. He he pinned them up so you could see his biceps and his shoulder pads kind of flapping at the end. 
and the elbow pads, and the dude just looked like a video game. He looked like Tecmo Bo. He looked like a machine. And so I posted this series of pictures, and I just noted how impossibly cool he also looked while also playing impossibly cool. And of all the things, tons of likes and tons of retweets, very cool engagement, interaction. A lot of people felt the same way that I did about Bo. Bo Jackson responds. And Bo responds, that top right photo really takes me back. And that's the one where he's getting a pitch out and he's looking downfield and the sunlight of the L.A. Coliseum's coming down through his, his helmet onto his face. He's kind of looking upfield, turning the corner. And it's just a majestic photo. It's really majestic. So amazing that Bo weighs in. And I was thinking last night two things. Number one, total cloud nine moment that you know, even in this chair doing what I do for as long as I did, there are still, as I've mentioned, a few pinch me moments. And those are usually the athletes that you grew up watching, that you grew up idolizing, because at that time, they are totally larger than life. And so if I speak to a modern athlete, it's not nearly as mind-blowing as somebody that I grew up watching, even if that modern athlete is greater. It would not nearly be as crazy. You know, and so when I get to interview Bo or Ken Griffey Jr. or Dan Marino or Tony Dorsett, Roger Staubach, LT, Daryl Strawberry, those guys are the guys of my youth, and I just, my mind still kind of explodes. And so this was, wow, and I thought how cool Twitter really can be that you could have Bo Jackson randomly see a tweet about him that I posted and then weigh in. And... Short but sweet, somewhat poignant, that that photo specifically brings him back to that time. And I thought that's that's the gem of social media that we rarely see because everybody is fighting on it so much and it's used for so much weaponry and it's used for so much trolling and nonsense that that community aspect of connecting with people that you would never connect with that are on the same plane as you just in the social media world is a really cool, cool thing. So that was quite the pinch me moment. And I thought how cool that whole situation was. And then secondly, I thought how awful it is that Mraz has ruined it forever because Mraz refers to his, you know what, as his Bo Jackson. And now we use this offhandedly quite often of the show for that body part. More Lis- than life figure listeners do as well. And I just thought how unfortunate here is a hero from my youth who I am still so I'm in admiration of, and yet I can't help but think about Mraz naming his you-know-what that, and it's just, it's too bad. Sorry that Terry Pendleton didn't have the same ring to it when I was naming the chicken pox and then came down upon my young package. This, the scenario that unfolded when you were five years old or something? Yeah, I, I don't even remember the age. Mraz came down with the chicken pox, he was young, and... To identify which chicken pox itched, he would identify them by his favorite ball player. He yeah. named each one of them after ball players. So there Wade was Wade Boggs on the left shoulder. There was a Wade Boggs. There was maybe a Phil Sims in there. No, it was all baseball players. I see. Don Mattingly for sure. Matt Noakes, Mike there was a Stanley, Noakes, Mike yeah. Stanley, Robin Yount. There was yeah. a Robin Yount chicken pocket. You had a point to 
Robin Yount itches, and so Nancy would go and she would wash that one or put some yeah. salve or, on that one. To be honest, I think it was more, if you think of them as some of your feet, you won't be wanting to itch them off. It was like to keep me from itching. I see. They're your friends more than they're your enemies. Yeah, and, I, you know, sitting in the bathtub, a young man looks down and sees a bunch of pink chicken boxes and sees a bigger figure down there. So I went with the most larger-than-life multi-sport athlete at the time. And so that's how that got its name. And I just thought that's really too bad. Yeah. It's really, really too bad that you couldn't have named him Terry Pendleton. Yeah, it's Bo Jackson. Lou Whitaker. Yeah, but it's an honor. Frank Tananen. Isn't it an honorable thing? I mean, there's worse things to name yourself after. It's just too bad that that now has to creep into my memory. Of- Did it hit you really low hard last time on BoJack? That's the wrong use of words. Did it register with you last night when Bo Jackson tweeted at you? Oh, man. Now I'm thinking about down there. I didn't until a couple of listeners referenced it in the tweets. <laughs> and that bummed me out. Oh, right. That bummed me out. Oh, it's right. horrible. Oh, right. You don't know, Bo. Thankfully. John Morant gets in trouble again, flashing the, the weapon. And now we wait to see what's going to happen. The NBA is likely going to suspend him for a chunk of games to begin the season. Is this the end of his NBA career? No. Is it the end of his Grizzlies career? I highly doubt it. But, you know, it reminded me of, is this bad decision-making? Of course. It just, to me, it hammered home. Look at the, the teams that are still playing. And look at the players they have on their rosters and think about the decisions these guys have to make. Do we worry that Jason Tatum is going to flash a firearm on Instagram? No. Never going to happen. Jimmy Butler certainly has been difficult to coach. He's certainly been a handful. But do we worry about him showing up in the police blotter? No. No. Nikola Jokic certainly has an element of tough guy in him. I wouldn't want to mess with him or his brothers. I mean, do we worry about him getting into some violent act off the, the floor? No. And then LeBron. John Morant has a fraction of the scrutiny and the attention on him that LeBron did from an earlier age. LeBron, we were watching at 16 years old on the cover of Sports Illustrated. LeBron came from a one-parent household, pretty destitute poverty, didn't know his dad, violence all around him, and by 16 was making good decisions. LeBron's not perfect in terms of you know everything about his his persona or his opinions or what have you know I'm I'm certain he has said or done some things that many of you probably find annoying, aggravating, hypocritical what have you. But one thing we never had to worry about with LeBron. His high school didn't worry No college would have had to worry. Clearly, the Cavs didn't worry about it. The Heat didn't worry about it. The Cavs again, and now the Lakers. And that is off-the-floor trouble. 
I mean, it is really amazing when you think about it. Now, I'm not going to sit here and tell you exactly what John Morant's upbringing was, but we had Gary Washburn join us on the show yesterday. Gary's covered the NBA for a long time. And, you know, Gary was was discussing how Ja's dad is in his life. Ja's dad is courtside all the time. Ja had a relatively stable household to grow up in, and here he is acting, quote, hard or whatever and making the same mistake over and over again and just looking like a dunce through the whole thing. This is not the only two times that a weapon's been an issue for him. Apparently, he brandished a gun at a, what, a 15-year-old kid that came by and played pickup at his house or something, and then he had a mob of guys go to the mall and and take on some sneaker store manager because his his mom had run into some type of altercation. You know, so clinging to the I'll get guys or we'll handle this or gun violence or whatever, that that intimidation threat or we're hard or I'm hard or whatever, that he has cloaked himself in, never, ever, ever a thing about LeBron. Ever. LeBron, again, grew up in a really rough situation. And from the time he was like 16, he kind of realized he was a CEO of something. That this is my team. These are my guys. This is what I do. And none of it was violence. None of it was through weapons and drugs or violence or guns or street culture. Is this how I show my dominance? Never. I mean, if you think about it, LeBron's mind was so evolved at such an early age. And again, you know, the decision's a bad decision. And there, there's other things along the way. But it's never about violence. And when it came to doing something that really mattered, he built a school. He built a school for kids. He's helping kids get an education. And I'm not asking Ja Morant to be LeBron. But I am saying that this act that Ja is doing, this silliness that he's engaging in, is something that is so obviously stupid because it's not the way superstars of the NBA act. It is not indicative of these guys. They might have grown up around violence, but most of them have nothing to do with that anymore. We, we, don't, we don't consider that with Giannis, who might not have grown up in America, but was like going door to door to sell little candies just to keep his the lights on at his house in Greece. We're not talking about Kevin Durant, who again, one-parent household, Terrible poverty in D.C. We we don't worry that he surrounded himself with guns and violence and I'll be tougher than you. LeBron is an extraordinary American success story. Ja is so foolish because if he had any sense in his brain, if his parents instilled any sense into him, the way would be to look at all the guys that have succeeded and say, I'll just follow that. I'll follow LeBron. I'll follow Kevin Durant. And these guys grew up in really tough American households. And what do I do here? How do I act here? How do I come off on social media? Again, Kevin Durant comes off as a sensitive dude, but you don't 
nobody ever says, like, hey, man, stop flashing the gun around. Like, that's not what Kevin Durant's all about. If I was Ja, if he had, again, just a brain cell left, you'd look at the guys that have really made it and said, oh, oh, that's the way to do it. These are the guys to look up to. This is, and he's kind of on an island. Like, I, I saw that Gilbert Arenas was going to talk about this today. There's a very short list of guys in the NBA's history that would connect to what he's doing. And I'm not saying that nobody in the NBA has ever had guns, owned guns. That's not what I'm saying. I am saying that the now using that as your brand or with your boys or whatever to prove your worth or whatever, that street toughness, is just not the way that it's done anymore. And Gilbert Arenas is seen as a cautionary tale. So if you were John Moran and you you were asked, you were posed this question, would you rather be seen 10 years from now as Gilbert Arenas or LeBron? It'd be such a no-brainer. It'd be such an unbelievable no-brainer that it's just kind of startling that you must have no sense if that was where you would lean when the the path is marked in front of you. When we come back here on the show, we'll talk to front office analyst Pat Garrity about tonight's Western Conference game number one finals. DA, CBS Sports Radio. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Happy Being Alive Day, the DA Show on CBS Sports Radio. All right, 22 minutes past the hour. More trash is coming your way at DA on CBS on Twitter. Also, watch us on Twitch, on YouTube, and at watchda.com. Those are all mobile friendly. You can watch our next guest on the simulcast. Former NBA executive and first-round draft pick, now a member of the stadium sports team, NBA front office analyst. Joining us this morning on the show is Pat Garrity. Pat, good morning. Hey, good morning, Damon. Good to be with you. You too. Thanks so much for joining us. I want to start with a jaw, then we'll get into the conference finals. If you were the GM of the Grizzlies, how much do you lean on the NBA, the league office, to dictate what you have to do with the jaw? Well, I, I don't think you really have much of a choice. I think this has risen to the level with the, the past and It's where this is in the league office's hands right now. They're going to be the ones adjudicating this. I, I think that they did the right thing right away, which was to announce that they had sp- suspended him from, from all team activities, which at this time of year doesn't mean a whole lot. But but I think that you know just being proactive was a good sign. But it's really out of their hands. This is going to be, in my opinion – Probably a pretty lengthy suspension, and I would imagine that the union would would appeal because of the harshness of the penalty that's going to go down. It's going to go to arbitration, and uh, and I think this is going to be a long drawn out process. Less than half a season that he gets suspended. I think so, and you know, and I went back and I looked at, at the longest suspensions in the NBA, and and the reason you know outside of kind of the concern that you have for John, why, why this is an interesting case is is all of the previous long suspensions came either from on-the-court violence, 
performance enhancing drugs, which are which are banned by the CBA or, or something involving breaking the law off the court. And this is a case where it doesn't fall into really any of those categories. Um, the eight game suspension that the jaw had earlier in the season wasn't fought by him, wasn't fought by the union. Um, and, and so I think you're looking at something probably in the, at least the 20 to 25. Um, and to me, it's going to be really interesting how the union reacts to this. The union is there uh, to, to fight for the rights of players. And when the Ron Artest incident happened, um, the, the, the union was right there fighting against that, trying to go to arbitration to, to minimize some of the suspensions. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how that all plays out this time around with this particular incident. Tonight in the NBA draft lottery, Victor Wembenyama is going to become the number one pick overall. We just, just decide tonight who's going to get that number one pick. What type of prospect is he? What type of franchise changer can he be? Well, uh, a lot of draft prognosticators, and, and this is about the time that I, that I start watching draft prospects, so I, there's probably better people than me to talk about him, but by all accounts – He's one of the best prospects to come into the NBA since LeBron James. And he's a player that I don't think that you really have much of a comparison for. I think maybe Porzingis is the only one when you combine the size and the skill. And if you remember what Porzingis was like his first couple of years with the Knicks before the injuries, I mean, he looked like he was potentially going to be a, a perennial all-NBA type of player. Um, and so I think that... I think that Wembyama can have the same immediate type of impact on the offensive end with, with any young players, it's going to take them a long time defensively. Uh, but we could be looking at, you know, someone who's going to be the, the, the new face of, of the NBA for, for the next 20 years to come. Former NBA executive Pat Garrity is our guest this morning here on the show, turning our attention to the games themselves. We look at tonight, Game 1, Western Conference Finals, Lakers and Nuggets. I think the Nuggets have snuck up on some people with how good they actually are. I think in the regular season, a lot of people didn't watch them, or we just assumed that they would flame out in the postseason again. <laughs> Why shouldn't we be surprised that the Nuggets are this far? Uh, well, number one, they have the guy that I think you could have made an argument for that could have been a three-time uh, MVP in the NBA. I, I think that the reason I think I'm a little surprised and maybe people watching and who watch the sure a little surprised is, is just how good they've been on the defensive end of the floor. I don't think anyone is surprised that they're leading the NBA playoffs uh, in offense. But what they've been able to do defensively, particularly um, in the last couple rounds of the playoffs, I think has been impressive, which is which is to, to drop Jokic off. They protect the paint pretty well. The other guys are really on a string and they can put lineups on the floor that that can defend the perimeter well even though historically Jokic has been a guy uh that you don't want out on the perimeter guarding pick and roll getting in switches they're much more comfortable dropping him off so to me that that's been the most impressive thing that they've been able to do and I think in this matchup against the Lakers I think it plays into their favor uh, because the Lakers aren't a great perimeter shooting team what they are is that they're a team that attacks the paint they attack the glass so to me, of, of all the matchups that Denver could have had, this one probably is the most favorable. Where where do the Lakers have an advantage? Uh, I think in a couple areas. I think um, I think number one, 
I, I want to know who is going to guard LeBron James. And you could see during the regular season, Le- LeBron doesn't attack the rim and the paint, and, or maybe he selectively does that. But in the playoffs, I mean, he has been bullying guys in the post. And so I think getting him on the elbow, getting him in the mid post, not only to draw double teams, but if they're going to guard him one-on-one, just bullying whoever that defender is, it's probably going to be Aaron Gordon who has good size. Uh, and so that's number one. I also think uh, Austin Reeves as a pick and roll ball handler. Um, I, I think he's a guy of all those guys uh, that they put in pick and roll can really be effective in the mid range. Um, and so I would, I would think that that would be another area where they're going to go to quite a bit. So when it comes to this Lakers run since let's say February or March, where they've really turned it on, do you think that has more to do with AD simply being healthy or the trade deadline deals that, that helped create a little bit of depth uh, for this roster? Well, I, I think number one, I think that you can't underestimate the chemistry impact that Russell Westbrook going somewhere else had. And and this isn't to put the blame on Russell Westbrook, but I think it's clear that the chemistry in that locker room wasn't great. And so I think that that of anything um, probably had as big of an impact of everything else. But but I think your point on Anthony Davis is right. Look, he is a guy that was not even mentioned, and a lot of it had to do with games played, with uh, on, on either all-defensive team this year. And I think you could make an argument that he has been by far the most dominant defensive player in the playoffs right now. And so I think him healthy, him playing at that level, particularly on the defensive end, um, is is why they're in the position they are now. And if you look at the numbers through the first two rounds of the playoffs, they're the number one defensive team in the playoffs. Pat Garrity joins us, former NBA executive, now working for Stadium Sports. In the Eastern Conference Final, kind of the the conventional wisdom is that the Celtics are far deeper, have a far more talented roster than the Heat. Would you agree? No question. Okay, what? where do they have a significant advantage roster-wise? Well, I, I think when you look at the first couple guys – off the bench. And and I don't know what, if they're going to go back to their traditional starting lineup, but when you're talking about bringing Malcolm Brogdon in, um, you know, Grant Williams hasn't played a lot. He's fallen off a little bit. Um, but, you know, Derek White flexing in and out of the lineup, Robert Williams, I, I think that those, those three guys maybe provide them maybe with a little bit more depth, but, but I think that when you look at, at the start of the starting lineups, I think that that's really where the advantage lies. So, with the Heat, does it just take Jimmy Butler to go crazy for them to have a chance in this series, or is there a there is there another recipe for success for Miami? <laughs> no, there's absolutely another recipe. So I, I think number one, they're they're not going to be able to compete if he doesn't continue playing at the level offensively that he has been, just because that they've been a team that traditionally struggles scoring in the half court. Um, but look, look what they do defensively. Like Eric Spolstra to me is a master in these types of situations this time of year. They're going to mix in a ton of zone. They're going to mix in a ton of defensive wrinkles. They're going to be unpredictable on the defensive end. And I wouldn't be surprised at all if this turns into a case where Miami wins one of the first two games on the road. Uh, and then they're, and then Boston is looking at a game three going to Miami. And if you, do, if you get down 2-1, uh, all of a sudden – 
we've seen with this Boston thing, things can tighten up. The ball can start can start sticking. Guys can stop moving, and they stagnate on the offense end of the floor. So, look, I think that this is a series when you compare the teams. Boston should win in five or six games. Um, but the reason I don't underestimate the Heat is just because of, of number one, how tough and committed they are on the defensive end and, and the coaching and schemes and the defenses that Eric Spolster can throw out there. Pat Garrity joins us this morning on the show, formerly an NBA executive, now an NBA front office analyst for Stadium Sports, joining us this morning on the show. Pat, always good to catch up, man. Thanks so much. Enjoy the playoffs. You bet, D.A. Great being with you, man. You too. Thank you. Pat Garrity, our guest this morning on the show. Excellent. It is a trash Tuesday, and so send us your trashes, okay? Who or what is bugging you? Tweet at me, DA on CBS, or on Instagram. In my DMs, you can hit me up as well, at Damon Amendo. Riley in Boise tweets, guys. I'm trashing Pete's inconsistent bacon grades. This season, he continues to let outside influences, such as DA's home internet connection, or his general mood towards Mraz creep into grades. He gives three oinks to a four, but four and a half oinks to a two. Clean it up for the conference finals or get him out. Mm. Trash him. I'm getting queasy. Whoa. Pete, I will allow you to well, respond. Well, that's not true. That's not true at all. I've been I, I felt that I, I was really strict last year. I think I'm I'm I've been a little lenient this year. I think so. So this guy has no idea what he's talking about. That's there, all I have to say. I think you've been I think you've been more gracious with grading this season. And that's that, my opinion. That was the early round story. But here we are. Again, conference finals are upon us. Back half of the postseason, and the last couple of days have been inconsistent. Well, what Riley's critique here Hold on, wait a minute. How can you be inconsistent with an opinion? Well, that's part of the problem. Can't be inconsistent with an opinion. What Riley's considering here is that Pete is allowing outside influences to affect the grading. Do you believe that that's true? I think yesterday's three and a half was not a personal attack on Sean, but just maybe Pete wasn't in the most jovial of moods to judge anybody. I don't no, know if I, anybody would have fared well I yesterday. Thought it was, I thought it was a little above average. I didn't think it was his best. You know, I didn't think it was his worst either. As long as I gave him a one and a half or two. Well, I think I've, been, I've been very fair to Sean, I think, this year. Mm-hmm. I Overall, I don't have a problem with Pete's grading. I, I want to be man enough to say that over the long haul, there have been days I've certainly disagreed more often than not. But overall, I think he's been fair enough. Wait, mm-hmm. wait, come in here, just give everyone no, five. I, I think inherently you're going back to the oink problem, which is that not everybody's belief in what's a good bacon is Pete's belief on a day-to-day basis. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, and like for me right, personally, we disagree on yesterday and today. We've we flipped the days. Right. Dakota tweets, I'm trashing the date of my wedding. It's June 16th, and now I gotta miss the Bob's Bar show. Either way, I'll still listen along while getting ready for that day. Trash it. Hold your nose. Or, That's some smelly rubbish. Or or you get married at the Bob's uh-huh, Bar show. Uh-huh. Dakota, have you thought about inviting all of your friends and family and loved ones <laughs> to that. Bob's Bar in West Babylon, New York for a beautiful Friday in June? Aren't you qualified to marry people? I am. Oh, no. I am. Whoa. I am. I have a certificate that has made me an officiant. I, I officiated 
my one of my best friend's weddings last summer. I imagine I'm still good a year later. I can get you married, Dakota. That can happen. Or somebody else. Do you need a third wife, Pete? Where are we on that? You're good? <laughs> I'm fine. <laughs> I'm fine. <laughs> Does anybody else want to get married? Do we want to lock Boyle into somebody? How about Jack? Mm. You know, I could help Boyle out with Marie in Denver if she shows up. I could get them hitched that day. Does Pat want to commit like that on a whim, public pressure? That's how you get one of those one-day Elvis impersonation annulments in Vegas. But that seems Boyle-ish, doesn't it? It's not? very Boyle-ish to be the Jason Alexander to Britney Spears in the five-minute Vegas no, marriage. No way. No way. Boyle comes from an old-school Irish family. They're not going to stand for him getting married on a whim next to an above-ground pool. They want the big <laughs> deal. But he stood on the, sat on the radio last year and told us how he wanted to spread his seat across Europe. Hopefully to find one good Boyle offspring <laughs> to fund his his life. That's, That's not very different. Irish or Catholic or anything. Well, he phrase. I could absolutely see Boyle, 36-hour Bender in Reno. Him and some hot chick are married. They wake up and go, and what's your name? <laughs> That's on the table. That is on the table. Mariana tweets, I'm trashing how many godforsaken ads there are on every freaking cooking website. I got to scroll for 15 minutes to get to the recipe and click out of six videos. No, I don't want to be on your email list. I have 16,000 emails already. Hashtag cookbooks for life. That's just offensive. Mariana is absolutely right. She is 100% right. Back in the day, cookbook, open it up. You take it off the shelf. You flip over to... You know, meatloaf, boom, you got your recipe. Now you Google it, you go to all recipes or homecooking.com or whatever. You go through and you're like, where's the recipe here? Okay, here's the review. Here's 10 pictures of it. Wait, okay, now I got to the ingredients. And now there's a video. Is the video the recipe? What? It's a disaster. Are you talking about reading up the gut? Oh, that was a football food of the week. Remember, I got criticized for that a lot last year. What's the actual recipe? Oh, you're just yeah, telling yeah. me what to do? <laughs> yeah. That's DA right. was like, what's up the gut? Do we do that? <laughs> I thought you meant that ads pop up. That's no, I no. Too. I meant like as far as searching the recipes. That was a big thing. That's not funny. Really? For that one? I don't think there was really a joke there. Jeez, we are discombobulated. <laughs> Tommy D'Souza doesn't know what's going on. Morty! Morty. Morty. You don't know his name. Not Connor Green is trashing idiot drivers. It's 2023. How do people not know how roundabouts work? It's a damn circle. Figure it out. Get so out. frustrating. Oh, roundabouts stink. Yeah, yeah Betty, right. why are roundabouts still a thing? Yeah, they, they shouldn't be a thing. Hmm. They might move traffic through smoother than a traffic light. I basically cross my fingers and close my eyes as I hit the gas through a roundabout because I'm, I'm so paranoid. <laughs> as somebody's coming strategy. in to sweep it. I'm the same way. <laughs> it does get a little wild and woolly in yeah, there. Yeah, it's the you wild don't know wild who's coming yeah. left, who's coming right. And and forget it if you have your GPS on. They don't know when you're supposed to be turning off that thing. No. Forget it if you have if you have two or three circles in in the circle. And that's they, two ridiculous. or three circles in the circle. In the circle, like three lanes yes. within the circle. Yeah, yeah. no, that can't merge over. Get it out. It's like dropping a ball on a ping pong machine. You don't know where you're going to bounce out of. Just it's put like, a light there. A couple stop signs. Done for the day. It's like the NBA lottery tonight. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 
Andrew Bogus has our final headline of the morning. DA Aaron Judge went deep twice last night in Toronto. He has hit many home runs before yesterday, but his second of last night has been called into question because for every pitch of that at bat against Jays reliever Jay Jackson, Judge took a quick peek at his dugout right before the pitch was thrown. Yeah, that was was curious. Mm -hmm. During the at-bat, manager Aaron Boone got tossed for arguing a called called strike. Here's Judge's explanation for everything. I feel like after the manager does his thing, it's it's like, fellas, like, you know, our pitchers still got to go out there and make some pitches. Like, let's, you know, we got the lead. Let's, Let's just go to work here. So the full story is... His teammates were chirping at the Jays pitcher, which was bothering Judge after Aaron Boone was ejected, but he was doing it before Boone got Mm. ejected and never in between pitches Mm. when he had more time for a lengthy stay or maybe a tisk-tisk at some of that Yankee dugout. I don't know. Here's Jays manager John Schneider. Kind of odd that a hitter would be looking um, in that direction. He's obviously <laughs> looking in that direction for a reason. Mm-hmm. And again, uh-huh. somebody's getting plunked tonight. You can look. Uh-huh. You can legitimately steal signs. It's not nothing or the Astros. If you're getting a tip from somebody, yeah. that's okay. The cover story's not great. Well, both. It's just not. Are you back feeling? Are you back hurt a little today? No. What's Here up? we go, Morty. Yep. Because you're really reaching right now. It's not funny. It's not funny. My back wouldn't hurt from reaching either. <laughs> Mine does. <laughs> That's, yeah. You know, if this was the Blue Jays doing it to the uh-huh. Yankees, you would be griping all no, morning long oh, yes. about the cheater, the Guys, cheating Blue Jays. This is an aha gotcha moment. Because when this came out that the Red Sox were doing to the Yankees, I said, not a big deal with the watch. It was totally different. The Astros scandal was way over the top. I have said, I would not. You guys are trying to get me today. Guess what? It's 941 Eastern. You haven't gotten me. You tried. You poked. You prodded. You all three. I can tell by D.A.'s stupid look on his face. He knows that Judge wasn't cheating. Uh-huh. Oh. Bogus. Play more Blue Jays sound. Get Mraz all riled up here. I'm not taking a bait. He didn't uh. cheat. You know he didn't cheat. Some of us watched the game last night. I did. That was not cheating. I'm just disappointed. I'm really just disappointed. Just in Aaron Judge. Right? I know. He seemed to be the one last good guy. Just uh, just, uh, as a captain, just even even letting the the bench bother him up at the plate. I mean, uh, that's... He's a captain. And and it feels beneath him because he is a stand-up guy, seemingly. Right, right. You want want him to, to just... Be your leader. And he was he, his leader he, as he sailed the ball 700 feet right after that. And, and there's there's such an issue with their behavior that it's bothering him at home plate. Yeah, look it over. Stop chirping. I'm going to shoot you your eyes. Enough. Who? What are you arguing about now? Again, Enough. We've all been distracted. He could have he could have literally said the things you just said from the batter's box in between pitches, but he never did. Because then that's showing up your teammates in front of everybody. Well, you go could, in there and you tell them afterwards because he he's a leader. He could have said it in the dugout before because this was not. No. It's easy for you guys to say you're not in a baseball stadium in real time. I'm just saying. <laughs> You've Neither all tried. You. I think the I think the worry is that he could shoot glances over to the dugout five times. They don't listen to the captain. That's right. Well, they're not that's here. Just he's trying to get them to the notice. Like, shut up. Just shut up. And he's not going to yell and show them up because he's a leader. And so, they're not listening. Yeah. And so he, how do you know? After the game party said, now it looks stupid. Now people think I was cheating. I'm looking at you bozos. Aaron Hicks, stop arguing with people. That's all it was. Again, watch the game. Don't clip a half an inning, Bogues. Understand what was going on. The well, umps were getting yelled what? at by both teams last night. By the way, I'm sure Dante Bichette uh, Sr. was looking over, whatever his name is, in the, in the Blue Jay dugout while they, they were chirping their knees at bats. 
No, I think he might have been able to conjure what are you in the picture. Laughing at now. <laughs> I just how, how Dante Bichette <laughs> caught strays in this conversation is what I'm laughing about. Plays for the Blue Jays. You know what I mean. I know Bo Bichette. That's whoever. Right. One of the Bichettes. I don't know why Dante had to take strays from you. <laughs> Even if he wasn't cheating. And you know what? We don't know that he's cheating. Just like you don't know that he wasn't cheating. Oh, I know he wasn't because he hit 60 home runs last year without cheating. He doesn't need more than, doesn't need to cheat now to hit one out of the Rogers Center up 6 nothing. His story is terrible. And Bo Bichette isn't letting that happen in his clubhouse. His story's terrible. Right. It's like a thousand percent believable. No, it's not. That was how he chose to scold okay. his teammates by going, you know what? Four you know five what? pitches in a row. Where's your Where's your kids' game? Where time? is your kids' game this weekend? Because I'm going to drive up. I'm going to park my ass on a fat old seat. Come on! I'm going to bring some white cheddar popcorn. I'm going to make sure that Jake doesn't look over at the dugout once during one of his at bats. Okay? I want to see how not Aaron out. Judge. So now oh, Aaron's so a nine year old. Does look over at his dugout because he's nine. Oh, the point so is Aaron age Judge matters. Yes, age matters. You of see? course it does. So your son so, cheats at baseball. So here's you from context. What the whole game? Now you're com- using a nine year old as a comparison for Aaron Judge. If you glance over your dugout, you must be cheating. No. So you know what? We'll see how much Jake's batting average gets lowered. <laughs> Greatest bogus athlete of all time. He is because I oh, sucked Uncle at baseball. Sean, he'll sit right in those I should have been. Sh- I should have been chanting. And cheating. Just but again, if Aaron Judge is bothered by chirping Anthony Volpe, that's a problem. Okay. Well, fine, then it's a problem. Because he's what? not it wasn't a, a problem when he had two home runs last night. So take a lap. Well, the second one, we knew it was coming. Maybe that's why it went 470. Such a bad influence on uh, Anthony Volpe. He was trying to come I'll go up. make a schedule. He's trying to come up and trying to do his best, and he has all this fighting, and Aaron Judge could be the guy that steps You're in right. and, and and settles it, but just can't. He let it go. All those young Yankees. That's not the atmosphere you want to learn the game in. No. And the kid in Tulsa that's waiting on the Aaron Judge at bat to find out that he might have been cheating. Toxic dugouts. Right. Those are my kids. One of the best announcers in the game. They're pork butts. (laughs) That's right. If you bother Dan Shulman, that's on you, not on Shulman. That's That's a good point, Pete. saying something. Other things happened last night. Uh, The Yankees won that game, by the way, 7-4. They kind of probably would have won without Judge cheating. Uh, the Angels, <laughs> nine five winners in Baltimore. Shohei Otani allowed five runs on four hits over seven, but also had four hits himself, a home run, and three RBI. In Arizona, a 5 2 win in Oakland in front of 2,064 fans. That is the smallest crowd in Oakland since just over 1,000 watched the game back in 1979. And it happened hours after Bally's and the A's announced official plans for a stadium on the Tropicana Hotel site. This is already a small tweak from their original plan. The stadium will now be on the near side of (laughs) I-15, making it easier to walk to for fans. The 30,000-seat stadium will cost about $1.5 billion, with the team asking for 400 mil of public funding. D.A.? Dixieland Dan weighs in. I'm not going to let you guys get me today, quote-unquote. Immediately starts screaming and arguing, attacking kids. Good job, Bogues. Let's get to break. We'll come back. Advanced analytics and an epic fail. DA, CBS Sports Radio. Even the DA show is not perfect. We know. Shocking. Here's the epic fail. There's Mr. T and there's Mr. Low T. Got to do with it. Hey, 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 hey. (laughs) Got to do. Got to do with it. (laughs) Fair question, Mr. T. Uh, the Western Conference Finals. I pity the fool that don't respect love. <laughs> love? Got to do. Got to do with it. I pity the fool. The name is Mr. T. First name is Mr. Middle name is that period. Last name is T. 
that doesn't know that love's got nothing to do with it. <laughs> Mr. T has no weaknesses. Shut up, second period. I'm Mr. Low T. Well, I pity the fool that makes that mistake. I pity the fool's got low testosterone. <laughs> hey, 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 hey. What's love? Got to do. Got to do with it. Well, most times, quitting only makes things worse. I pity the fool that can't get action in bed because he's got past the age of 35. Got to do with it. <laughs> I pity the fool who's low energy because he's now past his prime. <laughs> and that's a tip to you from me, Mr. T. There, oh, there's the chicken wing. There's the chicken wing. Oh, oh, get it up. That's from the last Rangers game. <laughs> Everyone makes these noises. It's last fine. Season. Only fools brag. <laughs> Woo. Hey, 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 hey. Got to do with it. Epic fail, you loser. That is why you fail. Question of the morning. Guys who drive convertibles like me and my rental right now, cool or tool? 70% of you say tool. Good to know. This name here is Trashy Mraz for jump for jumping from Aaron Judge, possibly cheating, to trying to compare it to a nine-year-old. Come on, man. I'm getting queasy. King Curtis is trashing his work truck last week. The stereo and backup camera went out. The battery died. Hold your nose. That's some smelly rubbish. Fully Ohio is trashing aging. Getting older means sleeping wrong is now a thing. God forbid I sleep on my side or with my neck slightly turned. I feel like I'm 90 with sore hips. All right, that'll do it for us this morning here on the show. Thanks to Sean Moraz, executive producer. Thanks to Pete the Body Bilotti, Wheels of Steel and Audio Director, Andrew Kaplan, the Wizard of Watch DA, and Andrew Bogish on your headlines. Be good. Be good to one another. I'm DA. We will see you tomorrow. The Mothership Disconnect. Here I go, here I go, here I go again. Girls, what's my weakness? Goals! Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 